Wool production in Australia is lifting again, with seasonal conditions in many, but not all regions improving. In this episode, we're going to dig into the latest forecast and discuss what it all means, but we're also going to catch up on the latest from Wool Q after another auction recently took place. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Marius Cumming. So the Australian Wool Production Forecasting Committee is charged with doing, well, just that. And it brings together data and observations from a very large range of sources, from the AWI MLA Producer Surveys, the Australian Wool Testing Authority, the Australian Wool Exchange, ABES, ABS, Consultants, as well as the State Forecasting Committees. So the committee chairman is Russell Pattinson. Yeah, Maris, um, thanks for having me on for a start. But um, uh, look, we're, we're forecasting that for the current 2020-21 um, uh, season, um, we're expecting to see a, an increase in um, uh, total wool production of about 2%, so rising from 284 million kilograms greasy to 290. So it seems like there's a slight increase in wool cut per head, but from a, a smaller flock. Yeah, that's right. We're, because of the, the drought a couple of years ago, or um, uh, yeah, that really knocked the uh, sheep numbers around, uh, we're expecting to see there'll be less sheep at the start of the season and therefore less sheep shorn. Uh, we see about a 4.5% decrease in the number of sheep shorn this season. But that's offset by a 7% plus increase in uh, average uh, fleece weights or average cuts per head. Um, and that's on the direct result of the, uh, uh, the vastly improved season, particularly um, on the eastern seaboard. So what are the implications for the national flock and in particular the recovery of, for the national flock reflected in this forecast? Yes, Marius, what, um, what's of particular interest is the fact that you know, while we have seen sheep numbers reduce over the uh, last two to three years quite substantially. Um, uh, there is the intent of wool growers, the most recent uh, survey undertaken by AWI and MLA uh, in about February, March, um, indicated that you know, 38% of uh, wool producers wanted to increase their breeding new numbers and another 55% were wanting to maintain. So there's certainly the intent out there to um, uh, to you know, be increasing sheep numbers, and, and that's in fact reflected in our forecast for the 21-22 season, where we're expecting to see sheep shorn numbers up 3.7%, and average cut per head um, uh, a, a modest increase of 1.4%, so an overall total of uh, 5% uh, increase up to 305 million kilograms. Very interesting when you break it down state by state because West Australia and Queensland that have had falling wool clips for some years now are still falling to quite a significant degree, whereas Victoria, Tasmania and other states uh, are lifting significantly. Yeah, the the biggest fall, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and Tassie um, are all seeing um, quite substantial reductions in wool production per uh, for the for the 2021 season, and that's really on the basis of the um, uh, the improved seasonal conditions. Queensland um, had been dry; they've had uh, uh, some rain more recently, but it's a bit uh, sporadic. Um, uh, but that's the, the the dry conditions up there are the uh, main reason why we've seen a, a big reduction. In WA, they've had very tough seasonal conditions as well until just very recently, and what we're seeing there is just the the, um, uh, the impact of the seasonal conditions, but also the fact that 
um, there was huge numbers of uh, sheep um, transferred from, or transported at least, from Western Australia over to the eastern states um, over the last 12 uh, plus months. So that's had a big impact on their production levels. It's interesting, though, given they had a, a, a wonderful cropping season, but the rainfall and water storage <coughs> seems to be the big issue there. Um, uh, they're getting less rain and, and a very significant less runoff, and therefore the water security has become a big issue. Yeah, look, the, the Western Australian um, uh, State Committee uh, were referring to the fact that um, uh, yeah, sort of water availability on farm was an issue, although the, the recent storms apparently has improved um, uh, that uh, outlook and, and replenished on-farm water stocks to a degree. But, um, yes, it certainly has been a, uh, an important issue for them. Given that you obviously produce a, a forecast from so many different points of view, is there then the opportunity to calibrate the accuracy of your forecasting with the with the actual production, so looking back rather than looking forward to, to see that your system works. Yeah, it's interesting that um, you raise that. We actually do that um, on a very regular basis of comparing how we're going. Um, not surprisingly, the, the most difficult forecast, the one with the largest um, uh, confidence intervals, if you like, or standard error, um, is actually the, the one that we do in April because at that time we have um, you know limited amount of uh, information available for the future season and as time goes on and we meet, um, our forecasts line up um, uh, far uh, closer to the um, uh, to the final actual, not surprisingly. But we do know from the analyses that um, uh, our forecasts are, uh, are better than uh, just an IE forecast that uh, we compare against. Well, it sounds like um, you should all be moving towards the Weather Bureau and do some seasonal forecasting. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's, that's, um, it's hard enough doing wool production forecasting, let alone the weather. <laughs> well, it, it is important to the industry. Um, how, how is it actually used? Obviously, it's, um, it creates quite a lot of media every quarter, but it, from a, an overall industry perspective, including overseas, how does the forecast actually get used? Yeah, look, we, we, we certainly do. As soon as we put a press release out, um, and then a week later we put out a a full um, information pack. Um, but as soon as the press release goes out, um, I do a whole range of um, uh, radio and newspaper interviews. Um, and we are aware that um, uh, once the forecast comes out, uh, exporters in particular will be forwarding it on to their, their customers overseas. So there's a, um, a significant uh, demand for the information to, to um, uh, help the market. And it's interesting just how much concern there is when when the forecast go to, goes down, it seems like uh, people overseas do really rely on it. Yeah, well, certainly the feedback we get um, is that uh, it is a, um, a valuable source of information for um, for the market, both from, from a production um, and also from a, a purchasing perspective. So you can see the wool production forecasts at wool.com forward slash forecast. Now, this last meeting that you had, Russell, was quite significant because you were farewelling a, well, a giant of the industry. Yeah, look, Chris Wilcox has been um, uh, instrumental in uh, uh, close to the last 30 years on the Wool Production Forecasting Committee. He's, um, he's also the chair or was the chair of the International Wool Textile Organisation Statistics Committee. Um, he was the executive director of the National Council Wool Selling Broker and um, was head of... Uh, uh, market information and economics at um, both AWI and previously uh, the Woolmark company. So 
uh, Chris's expertise will be um, uh, significantly uh, missed um, at these, um, uh, these these meetings going forward. But um, we're very pleased that uh, Paul Dean um, will be uh, jumping into the uh, into the breach to replace Chris. And Paul is actually an ex-convener of the Wool Production Broadcasting Committee, so he certainly knows his way around the traps. Fantastic. Well, Russell, thank you very much for joining us on The Yarn. And uh, let's see how things uh, develop. It certainly seems as though uh, there are some states in Australia that uh, seasons pending could uh, could certainly lift a little further if, uh, if growers in those states wish to. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We, we meet again in August and uh, we'll be very um, keen to see uh, what the seasonal conditions are, have been over the period and, and just how the, uh, uh, the, the test results and more receivers will start to come in. So we'll have another forecast out in August. Fantastic. Thanks again, Russell. Good on you, mate. Russell Pattinson, Chairman of the Australian Wool Production Forecasting Committee. So this week, another auction took place on AWI's online selling platform, WoolQ, a specific South Australian sale to be exact. So WoolQ is not just about selling wool. It's a complete digital platform to record and store wool production information, as well as giving wool businesses the chance to profile themselves to the world. Mark Scott from AWI and WoolQ explains how this week's sale went. Yeah, it went well. Um, we had great support from Elders and Michelles uh, and a number of growers selling underneath those two brokers. Uh, great buyer participation. Um, you know, the, the feedback from a couple of the growers was that they enjoyed it. They could log on, see their wool sale, um, sell live. We had a support line where we were chatting to them throughout. Um, but, but good feedback. The technology works. It's quick, simple to use. So, yeah. So, yeah, WoolQ's been around for um, some time now. Is it still continuing to, to gain momentum and uh, uh, registrations, and is it still gaining interest? Yeah, yeah, it's um, moving along nicely. So there's, there's many aspects to WoolQ, um, and within that is one of them is the WoolQ market, which I was talking about just then. But the, the platform itself has up to 3,400 users on it now, of which 75% of them are wool growers and and we find people use different parts of the platform so we had some today using WoolQ market others are particularly interested in tools like the industry network where it's the whole uh, provenance storytelling side of the platform where growers can create a profile talk about what they're doing on their farm um, show the types of uh, quality assurance schemes they're connected with their broker partnerships and the like so today was the SA sale and obviously um, I mean South Australia produces a a hugely um, a huge variety of wools from Kangaroo Island right through to the Flinders Ranges. Um, was today very much around provenance, or was it a, a? How did the sale progress today, and what was the? Did yeah. I ask you about results? So it started off. We had a few growers that from South Australia that were interested, in it, and you did mention the Flinders Ranges and Kangaroo Island, and we had growers from both those regions. So we just thought, you know, it's a good opportunity. Um, those growers had profiles on wool queue. Why not? Um, sell it as a you know a regional sale and we could get more specific um, you know we could just do a Flinders Ranges Merino um, so we could just do Kangaroo Island we could do types of Merino could, could be pastoral the, the options mm. are there oh you could do bloodlines anything bloodlines and anything and, and we're open to these kind of ideas um, you know that the, the sale went well uh, the market dropped off a little bit towards the end of the week um, and so we we sold about half the wool that was on there um, 
but for you know considering the, the changes in the market and the volumes of wool that's going up next week uh, I, I think the, the growers are quite quite happy and there's the opportunity to um, sell the wool post sale in conjunction with their brokers and the, and the buyers that were interested in the wool so um, yeah I, I think that there is something here in terms of really connecting the growers um, to their you know to the sale of their wool and, and the storytelling and, and the like so it's, it's something we'd love to do more of. And there's three ways of selling wool through WoolQ. It's not not just the auction, but yes, yes. So we've got the uh, we've got the auction. Um, we've got the bull, what we call the bulletin board, which is a, a fixed price offer board where the um, the grower through their broker nominates the price uh, of the lots and it, it can sit up there for a specified time. Uh, so we've had some growers use it quite effectively, uh, putting the wool up before it goes up for sale for the open cry. So it could. Could be listed for the open cryer next week but they've put it up for a week with the timer on there and conversely some growers have, have put their wool up on the open cry it's been passed in and they've put it up on the bulletin board and it's sold well after that so it's just a different tool of selling and the third tool that we we tacked on um, and launched earlier this year was the the wool queue market tender facility and that's just a, um, a facility we, we know there's some brokers out there that are are selling wool by tender and often it's sending an email out with the catalogue and then they receive an email call with prices. We've simply digitised that and, and made it fast and efficient to use. So it's there as another option to sell wool. And over and above all of that, if you are selling wool through um, through existing platforms, not through WoolQ, you can still put your information is collated yeah. through, through WoolQ. Yeah. So it's a sort of a, a broad church um, to to capture all your information. Exactly. I think that's something to be particularly mindful of is, is you don't need to use WoolQ Market. You can um, you can use the WoolQ eSpecy. It starts that sort of data journey for you and, and the Specy goes off, your wool gets tested. Those test results can come back in through your broker to WoolQ and if your wool sells in the open quarry market, once you've started that data journey, your results can come automatically back in. And all of a sudden you start to build a, a repository of data and so you've got this year's clip results next year's clip results and and you're not really putting in any more effort than you usually would from filling out that paper specie just an electronic version and it starts the whole journey yeah so um it certainly is is here to stay by the sound of it and it, it seems as though things are um rolling along quite well it seems as though it, it's starting to gain um significant acceptance yeah, yeah, we're we're in a in a good place. I think there is um, with with WoolQ, there's a, a bit of um, uniformity or accept a global acceptance around the uh, the growing importance of of provenance and traceability, um, especially with a, a, a niche product and a, a high end product like wool. We've really got some rich stories to tell, and WoolQ can help us tell those stories. So those that are listening to this thinking, all oh, right, well, we've heard about WoolQ for a long time, but I haven't done anything about it. Um, what can they do to, to register and, and actually put their own profile up there? Yeah, well, just jump onto WoolQ.com. Um, there's a, lots of info and education videos there. We've got an email info at WoolQ.com. If anyone wants a bit more information, we've got a good team of people that are happy to get on. and We love doing demos and talking about it. And understanding where people might be looking to seek value from the platform. So go to walkyou.com, check out the education section and then give us a call or an email. All right, well, thanks very much for joining us on The Iron. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Marius. Thank you. 
So that's Mark Scott, Wool Q and Traceability Project Manager at Australian Wool Innovation. And as you know that AWI recently launched its Wool Grower app, making it even easier for you to get the latest information from your wool research, development and marketing body. So you'll find the free Wool Grower app at the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Yarn from me, Marius Cumming. Thanks for your company. Thanks for having a yarn with us.